Now, something that a lot of people don't know about me is I don't really like to celebrate my birthday. Well, I don't like to celebrate me on my birthday. I don't have a problem if other people want to celebrate their birthdays, and I want to celebrate it with them, but there's something about me, I just feel like I don't deserve to be celebrated. I mean, think about it. What did I contribute on my day of birth? What did I do? I did nothing. I just showed up. I was along for the ride. So if anyone deserves to be celebrated on my birthday, it should be my mom, who's here today. Hi, mom. And she especially should be celebrated because I'm a twin. And to make matters worse, we were undiagnosed twins. And I was a C-section. Two and a half hours after my brother was born. So my mom really needs to be celebrated on my birthday. <laughs> and that's why I don't feel like I really deserve any kind of gift, any celebration at all. It should all go to her. My wife, on the other hand, loves to celebrate my birthday. She sees that day as an opportunity to show me how much she loves me and cares about me, to make me smile, to make me feel special. And she does all of these things through the gifts that she gives me. And the gifts can come in all different forms and varieties. So she might do something fun, like bake all of my favorite desserts and combine them into one massive dessert. And she'll make my favorite dinner, which is anything she cooks. Or the gift might be something a little bit more practical, because full confession, I am cheap and I will wear my shoes into the ground to where even duct tape can't hold them together. So sometimes she'll give me a new pair of shoes. And sometimes the gift is a little bit more intangible and sentimental, like a well-thought-out and planned and organized date night, time that we can have just the two of us and make a memory, something that's special for the two of us. And all of these gifts are ways for her to show me that regardless of whether or not I feel like I deserve it, that there's something about me that she finds favor. I find favor in her sight. She sees me as worthy to be celebrated. And that is the real gift. And I tell you all this this morning, not just to brag about my wife and my mom a little bit, but because the Bible actually has a word that it uses to describe this kind of gift. It uses the word over 150 times in the New Testament alone. It's the Greek word charis, which we often translate as grace. Now, grace is a word that's used a lot in church. We hear it a lot, we use it a lot, we speak it, but we have a hard time kind of figuring out what it means and describing it. So as we go forward, a helpful starting point is to know that grace is undeserved favor. It's the gift of undeserved favor. And that helps us understand our main text this morning. See, in our main text, Paul uses the word charis, uses the word grace three different times. Two of those times are the exact same phrase. By grace, by charis, you have been saved. And what he's doing here is he's showing us that there's an important link between grace and salvation, between unmerited favor and our salvation. By grace, you have been saved. He goes on to say that salvation is ours even when we did nothing to deserve it. We were dead in our trespasses, and that's what the Romans text echoes as well. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are unworthy and undeserving. But even though we had nothing to do with it, God in his great love and mercy made us alive together with Christ. Though we deserve nothing, God sees something in us that's worthy to be celebrated. We're worthy to be saved in his eyes. And that is God's gift. That's grace. That's charis. 
And to show just how important grace is, Paul uses it in all of his New Testament writings, all of his letters. They all start the same way. He has a brief introduction of himself. He says, hi, I'm Paul. I'm writing to these churches. And then he says, grace, peace to you all. He starts it all the same way, grace to you. And Peter does the same thing. So we can reasonably assume that the apostles thought grace was something that the first century followers of Christ should value and something that we as the 21st century followers of Christ should value also. Because before mercy, before peace, they want us to receive grace. But why is that? Why is it something that's so important to them and something that they want to be important to us? Well, it's because they know who grace is for. Grace is for the unworthy. It's for the undeserving. Grace is for everyone. It's for all of us. It's for those of us who are farthest from Christ, those of us who are nearest to Christ, and anyone in between. So we look at Paul. Remember his background? Formerly known as Saul, he was the chief enemy of the church. He made it his life mission to eradicate Christianity from the face of the world. He was radically anti-Christian and slaughtered a bunch of Christians. If anyone was undeserving of grace, it was Saul. And on his way through Damascus to, to usher in his next onslaught, Christ extends grace. He calls out to Saul. He reveals himself to him. And Saul takes on a new name, Paul, which means unworthy or little, undeserving, unworthy. In his low estate, in his humility, after realizing he's just been wrong his whole life and killed a bunch of innocent people, Christ extends grace to him. See, he doesn't just call out to Paul, he calls Paul to himself and he says, I have a new mission for you. I have a new job for you to do. Go and share my grace and my news with the rest of the world so that they may have salvation. And the chief of sinners, as Paul calls himself, goes on to become the greatest missionary and biggest champion of Christ we've ever seen. Because grace is for those who are farthest from Christ. And it's also for those who are nearest to Christ. We see this in the life of Peter. Remember Peter, one of the main disciples of Christ, who was sitting in the front row every Sunday, who wasn't scared to raise his hand in Sunday school? Peter, upon whom Christ himself says the church is going to be built, surely if anyone does deserve grace, it's Peter. Well, except for all the times that he had to be corrected by Jesus because he couldn't get it right, didn't understand what was going on, or the time right before Jesus was crucified when he denies him not once, not twice, but three different times. And even with as, as close as we see Peter being to Jesus, even he was unworthy. He was undeserving. And Christ shows grace to him. See, after Jesus was resurrected, he shows up in front of Peter. And do you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't look at Peter and say, well, what was that all about, man? You don't know me anymore? Well, guess what? I don't want to know you either. Get out of here. No, he looks at Peter and he says, hey, Peter, I still want you to be a part of what I'm doing. I still want you to be linked together with me and my mission. I have a job for you to do too. Feed my sheep. And he extends grace to Peter also, even when he doesn't deserve it. And Peter goes on to become one of the main pillars of the church. So on one hand, you have Peter. On the other hand, you have Paul, both on opposite ends of the spectrum. One a radical anti-Christian, one a radical Christian screw-up. 
both of them undeserving of grace. Both of them shown tremendous grace anyway. Because grace is for everyone. Regardless of where you fall on that spectrum, grace is for you and grace is for me. And this all-inclusive concept of grace is something that we as Americans actually are pretty familiar with. It's woven into the fabric of our DNA. Our founding documents talk about how no matter your age, race, religion, socioeconomic status, that all men and women are created equal. You know the thing. (laughs) That regardless of your background, where you come from, what you've done, all of us have the right to pursue happiness in the land of opportunity. And Lady Liberty herself stands upon the words, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, the tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. See, America takes what all the rest of the world deems as unworthy and unwanted and says, I want you. I want to show you favor. I want to extend to you grace. And generation after generation of Americans have continued on this legacy of valuing grace. And we try to value it more and more and more. And we have pride our, prided our, proud, proud, prided? We are pr- proud of the fact, there we go, we'll land on it. We are proud of the fact that we try to be more tolerant and accepting of other people's cultures, their beliefs, of their lifestyles, because America values grace. But even with as much as we value it, we still live in a pretty graceless country. And if you don't believe me, pay attention to what's on the news and what you scroll through on social media. And this next slide is going to hurt a lot of people. Because what we see all around the place is cancel culture. And what cancel culture does is it says, hey, I don't like what you have to say. I don't value the same thing you value, so I got to get rid of you. I got to cut you out. And so we, t- we hear businesses that endorse this candidate or this platform, and we say, let's boycott them, let's run them out of business. Or we see a celebrity who's actively championing a cause that we don't like, or isn't actively championing the cause that we do like. And we say, I'm not seeing the movie there and again. And all of us are guilty of doing this. All of us. And do you know how I know that you guys are guilty of it too? Because I do it. I do it. And we do this because we tend to value the gift more than we value the recipient. We value grace more than we value people. And what happens when we value grace this much to this degree is we begin to deny grace to the very people who Christ said, I laid down my life for you. We become very sparing with who we show grace to, who we consider worthy. And when we value the concept of grace more than the recipients of it, we show no grace at all. Because there is no grace without love. That's what Christ shows us. That's how he was able to extend his grace to us. Because he loved us so much. And when we don't show this love, when we don't share his grace, we find that we become less and less deserving of the gift ourselves. But that's what makes gifts so awesome, isn't it? That we don't have to earn it, we don't have to deserve it or win it or achieve it. It's freely given to us at no cost to ourselves. With any gift, the only person who pays a price is the giver. And Christ gives us grace at the cost of his own life. And he's not the only giver here. 
God gives us grace at the cost of his own son. Which means that Jesus isn't just the giver of grace. He is God's gift of grace to us. He is the gift of grace. And that's what makes days like today so special. Where we get to celebrate communion and witness the baptism. Because in these things, we get to receive grace. We get to receive the person of Christ. We receive Christ in communion by receiving his true body and blood in, under, and with the bread and the wine. Not because we've earned a spot at the table, but because out of his love, Christ invites us to the table. And in baptism, we get to see someone move from death to life. And in our own baptisms, we made that same move. Not because of anything we've done, not because we have the power to do so, but because in our baptisms, we're joined together with Christ in his death and his life. We are joined together with Christ and receive him who, was, who lived in perfect obedience to the Father and was worthy of all favor. Christ who wasn't shown any grace, any favor by the very people he came to save. Christ who took on our unworthiness by taking up our cross. And Christ who deems us worthy by his death and his resurrection. Christ is God's gift of grace given to us. And God shows us undeserved favor. He shows us his grace in the person of Christ, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. And that's what we received today. And that's why we continue to come back week after week to continue to receive these things. And that's what we're called to show others throughout the week, the very grace of God, the undeserved favor Because God's grace is for everyone. None of us are worthy, but all of us are loved by God. And there is grace in Christ. In him, we receive it in abundance. John says as much in his gospel. He says, for from his fullness, that is the fullness of Jesus, we have all received grace upon grace, chorus on top of chorus. Christ gave us God's favor even when we didn't deserve it, by giving himself for us, by giving himself to us, to forgive us, to cleanse us, to clothe us in his righteousness, so that now when God looks at us, he doesn't see what we see. He doesn't see a failure. He doesn't see someone who's unworthy or undeserving. He looks at us and he sees his son, who was worthy and is deserving. And if God can see us in this way, we should be able to see other people in this way too. We should be able to drive through our neighborhoods and see signs in people's yards that we don't like and know they value things that we don't value and see someone who Christ values. We should be able to go to work with our coworker who drives us up the wall and see someone who's precious enough in Christ's sight that he died for them. And whether or not we think they're worthy of our favor, Christ shows us that they're worthy of God's favor. And we should show them his grace because he showed it to us even when we were undeserving. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gift that you've given us. We thank you for the gift of grace and favor that Christ shows us, that Christ gives us, that Christ is to us. 
We ask that you would help us take this grace and share it with those around us. Give us eyes to see people as you see them. Give us hearts to love people as you have loved us. We thank you that regardless of our worthiness, we have found undeserved favor in your sight. Help us to receive Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.